Hi, my name is Kira. I tend to forget to introduce myself, so this is what that is. I am a Seattle-based storyteller, writer, uh, podcaster, you name it. I just really want to share the gospel and share how Jesus truly changes everything. So this is your invitation to stay. You can find other episodes as well as my blog, um, any other important links, all in the description. Also, you can check it out on kiragothier.com. That should have everything that you're looking for. But there is grace here. There is love here. There is truth here. I hope you enjoy today's episode. habit of staying away from the anecdotal evidence for Christianity. Now, this is entirely intentional, as I think anecdotal evidence has its shortcomings. As a Christian, I can say that all, I can say all these things about how God has changed my life, but how is that any different than the atheist who claims that atheism changed their life, or the Buddhist who claims Buddhism changed their life? Like, all of these claims are equally valid, and that is why I spend a lot more time looking at the science, history, philosophy, and objective evidence for Christianity. But admittedly, this approach means that I I tend to forget the significance of the Christian story. The gospel has the power to change you, and Christians know this, right? This is why we share our stories and our testimonies. I am reminded of the ways in which the Holy Spirit convicts me. My non-Christian friend, I I will try try my best to share this in a way that uses less church-like terms, but really there's only so much I can explain. All right, don't be so quick to rule out Jesus. I encourage you to explore Christianity and the bold claims that Jesus made. When you accept Jesus into your life and commit to Jesus as Lord of your life, you realize that this world is not really about you anymore. Right? As a Christian, you begin to see things differently, and as you read the Bible, you better understand the world and, and the purpose of your life. You're like, you're right to believe that you have a calling. You're right to believe that we're made for more. As a Christian, we're called to do things for the glory of God. It's not just about you anymore, right? My life is for Jesus because he saved me. He loves me. He died for me. I want to live in a way that honors him and makes him Lord as I proclaim. If I'm honest with you, I can be quite greedy. I have a tendency to hoard money and I'm not proud of that, right? I I was born with a sinful nature as Romans 3.23 puts it. Like, we're all messed up. We're all broken. This is why we need a savior in the first place. But more on that later. I am tempted to be greedy, but it is because of the gospel that I that I give. Right? It is because of what God has written that I understand that all of this money that I make, it's God's money. Like, he created the world after all. He calls us to be selfless, not selfish. All right, and even if you don't know Jesus, like you might be able to relate. Maybe 
there's a little nudge that tells you to give to the poor. That thought goes completely against naturalism, but it perfectly lines up with the biblical worldview. Could that nudge possibly be the Holy Spirit? God calls Christians to give and, and donate to those who are in need. This is why the Christian gives. It is not because I feel guilty or feel like God's going to take something away from me if I don't give. No, it, it's because it's it's not because I need to prove that I'm a good person. No, I, I give because there's this realization that my life is not about me anymore. Right? It's about living for God who I call Lord. It's about honoring him and obeying him in all areas of my life. This includes finances. All right, don't be so quick to knock God's way before you try it. Romans 10, 9 through 10 reads in this way, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with a heart resulting in righteousness and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. That's it, man. You believe that Jesus is the Lord of your life and that he did the things he proclaimed? You're solid. That's it. All right. But now, because you are saved, you want to do good works. The order matters here. It is not your good works that save you, but it is because you are saved that you want to do good works. This is one way you can be certain that you're saved, right? Like you experience conviction. You want to follow God's word. You want to do good works. You begin to see transformation in your heart, right? Like you no longer want to be a slave to sin or rather the moral crimes that you commit, but you now long for Jesus. Speaking of conviction, there are constantly moments in my life where I feel it. I feel a little tug on my heart that tells me, hey, Kira, you're, you're called to live differently. As a Christ follower, you're called to love God and love people. All right, I am second or third worst sinner of all time. The Apostle Paul took first place, and I forgot if I heard a pastor of mine <laughs> admit that he is second. So if he's second, then I'm third. I am the third worst sinner of all time. It was a tragic death of George Floyd that brought my attention to the racism that ex still exists today. And I'm not proud that it took that long, but it did. The questions that came to mind were this, how are we still struggling as a nation to see that we are all equal? How are we still struggling with this? How could people mistreat others like this? Or yet, Yet the moment I wanted to blame everyone is when I started to feel a little tug on my heart. This tweet by Rebecca McLaughlin beautifully describes my thoughts as she wrote, As a Christian, it's, it's really hard for me to grapple with the idea that I might harbor racist prejudice. I desperately don't want that to be true, but if I take the Bible seriously, I must reckon with the fact that Every part of me is sin-invested. So it would be quite odd if all the other dimensions of my mind were prone to sin, but I am racism-free 24-7. I saw a post from some atheist organization that said Christians shouldn't tell people that they're sinners. And to that I'll say, like, I agree. I think Christians need to provide context 
when they talk to non-Christians about sin. I don't, I personally don't think shouting, you're all sinners, is the most useful way of evangelizing. But as, as for the Christian, I, I find it helpful to remember that I was born as a sinner. It allows me to be more self-aware. It allows me to repent. It allows me to ask the question, could I possibly harbor even the tiniest bit of racism? And despite the answer, I am met with the gospel, right? The idea that even the tiniest bit of racism could exist within me is unacceptable. That is not the way I'm called to live as a Christian. The Bible shares that we are all made in God's image. So treating others as less worthy or valued goes completely against what God has commanded. Right? This is why the Christian knows that racism is, racism is wrong, despite what he or she truly thinks of it. Like, we have a standard. Christians have a standard. Naturalism suggests that, that there is no standard. And if that's true, then, well, everything is a matter of opinion. Right? That is why I believe that the racist individual just learned to shut up when cancel culture comes knocking, rather than, than changing their mind without a standard and, and the ability to define right or wrong, you really have no reason to change your mind. But because I've accepted Jesus as Lord, I am called to live according to God's word, regardless of my upbringing, experience, or feelings. Like I am called to love people because they all bear the image of God. Yes, like even the cranky old man from the grocery store. Christianity offers a standard. Another example of how Jesus has changed me was observed in, in high school and college. I used to watch a lot of reaction channels on YouTube. Like these are the kinds I would like poke fun at people and I thought it was hilarious. But yet, yet over time, as I continued to read the Bible, attend church, participate in small group discussions, you know, and, and take my relationship much more seriously with Jesus, I felt convicted. There was something inside of me that said, hey, Kira, maybe, maybe you shouldn't watch this. Do you see the way that is changing your heart? I realized that consuming this type of content changed the way I saw people. Like I had more of a tendency to poke fun at people instead of seeing them as equally worthy and valued. Right? That was the gospel. Jesus changes you. Though I enjoyed that content, like I saw the way that it was hurting me, hurting others, and going against what Jesus commands. So I stopped. I know the, the what would Jesus do question is cheesy, but if I'm called to be an ambassador of Christ, I ought to treat others the way Jesus treated everyone. I ought to try my hardest. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this after all. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. That's, that's what I want to do. And maybe you're thinking, I don't need Jesus, Kira. Like, I already do that. Friend, that is, that is the Holy Spirit working in your heart. Right? There's no logical reason for you to be selfless. Regardless if you already do this or experience some sort of, of conviction, wouldn't you like to see where that comes from? 
Would you like to see what else the Christian worldview offers? It's more than just the satisfaction that you feel when you pay for the person behind you. Jesus has the power to transform you. You see this all over the Bible, and you see this with Christians today. My Christian friend, this is why we share our stories. And I know it's anecdotal, so if you leave unconvinced, I'm not surprised. But I hope that this at least entices you to see the overwhelming evidence in favor of Christianity. Here's the thing. I I love uh, I love romance movies and rom coms, but uh, before I was married, I had to refrain from watching them. And even as a married woman, I feel the need to limit myself with them. My tendency to unintentionally idolize entertainment's view of romance would appear when I would watch too many of these kinds of movies. I was tempted to see rom-com romance as the ideal version of love instead of reading about what God, who is love, says about love. And frankly, it was just distorting my view of intimacy, love, and marriage. We all know what I mean by intimacy, right? Like, I felt convicted by the Holy Spirit, and so I stopped watching these types of movies because it was not healthy. It, it was hurting me and hurting my view of relationships. Right? Following Jesus means that I'm called to live a life that honors God. Right? This means that I don't, I don't always get what I want. That's a good thing. My life is not about me, but about building God's kingdom. I'm no pastor. Like I, I work out and I read Christian apologetics books. <laughs> I've, I've read the Bible a few times, but that doesn't mean I'm perfectly doctrinally sound. Right? I just I, I need to start with that disclaimer. The Holy Spirit convicts us in different ways, and there are certainly times where the Bible is clear on certain topics, and yet there are other times where the law of liberty, as Romans 14 puts it, takes place. I think the Bible is certainly clear on things such as the deity of Jesus, the resurrection, sanctity of human life, and that all scripture is breathed out by God. Yes, all scripture. Like Christians are to agree on these things. So for example, it doesn't matter if you think murder is right. Like the Bible, which is by God, says it's wrong. And it's wrong. Like that's a non-negotiable. But what Romans 14 shares is that there are some areas that Christians can disagree on, and, and that's completely okay. It reads, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. Diversity is welcomed. Like, it doesn't matter who you voted for what foods you eat, whether or not you believe in young earth creation or you believe that the earth is 4.5 billion years old, right? These are negotiable. Like I mentioned this because I think Christians, especially me, forgets this. 
And so I bring this up because for some of you, maybe you can listen to comedians or watch romance movies and you're fine. For me personally, though, I feel convicted. I have to be careful with what I consume as I do my best as an imperfect person to represent Jesus. At one point, too, uh, I, I thought it, I thought the way to live as a Christian meant that I should only hang out with Christians, only listen to Christian music, and only use YouTube to watch church sermons. But I even felt convicted doing this because I noticed I was becoming so far removed from the world. It's funny how the Holy Spirit convicts us. Christians, we're called to share the good news. We're called to bring up Jesus in conversations how are we supposed to communicate with the world if we do not even understand the world and what it values? This is what was coming to mind. To understand the world, we must be experts of our culture. And this means that we need to learn about the culture, even if it makes us uncomfortable. And even if we do become offended, I share this with you because we Christians do not have the exact same interest, hobbies, or convictions. We have different opinions on things, and that's okay. I know that sounds kind of rare in today's culture that diversity and opinions are welcomed, but they are. What I shared with you, like, that's my story. There are a few, like, those are a few of the ways that Jesus has changed me throughout the years, and he still continues to change me. And I I seek to glorify him in all that I do. Like, the anecdotal evidence matters. Our stories matter. Christians, we need to share our stories. Now, my friend who doesn't know Jesus, I don't know what this all sounds like to you. Maybe to you, it sounds like following Jesus just means that he will take all the fun away. Maybe to you, it doesn't seem like Jesus alone has the power to really change anything about your life. Maybe to you, whatever you're doing, like it already works. So there's no reason for you to change your worldview. There are a few things I could say, but for the sake of time, I ask that you try it. Try out Christianity and truly try it. See what the Christian God is capable of. Like I have lived in a way that follows naturalism and I have lived in a way that follows Jesus. Jesus offers certainty. He offers hope. He offers fulfillment. And you and I, like, we know that we will never be satisfied with what the world will offer. We always want more. Yet Jesus is enough. The Christian worldview just seems to work. I wonder why. I know how the body works. It's calories in, calories out. It's the law of thermodynamics. If I wanted to be lean, I had to eat a certain amount of calories. I understood the science, but I was stuck. What I was doing was not sustainable, though I liked the way I looked. And so I started to, I started listening to this concept called reverse dieting. It's something a lot of bodybuilders do after a show. It, it makes, (laughs) it made no sense to me, uh, It was this idea that I could increase calories without increasing cardio, and I I could look just as lean or possibly leaner. I, I did a lot of research on this, and for some reason, I just didn't get it. 
I couldn't understand it. I, I heard about people saying that it works, but I, I did not really see any benefit to it. I was super skeptical. But everyone who had gone through the process was saying to try it. Do it. Trust the process. I can be very stubborn sometimes. <laughs> but eventually, I lost hope in what I was doing. Sometimes it takes those Titanic ship moments for changes to occur. So I found myself giving this reverse dieting thing a fair shot. I didn't know what else to do. And I was like, all right, you know what? Let's, let's just do this. Let's just see what happens. I started in October, 2021. And it's been going really well. It, it makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> like now that I'm doing it, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. There was a lot that I didn't understand, but honestly, I just needed to give it a try and like truly try it. So I share this with you because I get it, my non-Christian friend. Like I get that maybe that you have a million questions about Christianity and you're not convinced that it'll work. But I, I just want to end by inviting you to try it. I invite you to see who this Jesus is. The Christian worldview offers hope. It offers certainty and salvation. Jesus is exactly who we claim to be. And so I ask, could you give my worldview a fair shot? See who this Jesus is and what the Christian God is capable of. It's okay. I'd like to just end with some prayer. God, I love you. There's no reason for me to change, yet I feel convicted in the ways in which I fall short. I seek to love you and love others the way Jesus did. I want to glorify you in all that I do, including this podcast. Naturalism says that there is no purpose to life, but the Christian worldview says we have a purpose. Darwinianism says we, we shouldn't give to those who are in need. We shouldn't help the sick or weak. Yet for some reason, we have this, this heart tug that tells us to give. The gospel is written in our hearts. Most of our morals, desires, and wishes actually line up quite well with the Christian worldview. <laughs> I wonder why. Jesus claimed that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And I pray that we see it. I pray for a revival. I pray that we begin to see that in the storms and catastrophes of life, that Jesus offers hope. Jesus offers certainty. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen.